Hello, and welcome to the Deep Bible Studies podcast, where we discover, explore, examine, and practice the Word of God. I am your host, Claudia Rivera Guevarez, and today we will be going through John 5, 16 through 30. So like always on Tuesdays, we go through context and we explore. So let's get started. Verse 16 says, and this is why they were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. So from now on, we will see the reoccurring theme in the gospel according to John of Jesus being persecuted. In other words, this means continuous hostility against a person. This was due to the healing during the Sabbath that we saw in the first part of John 5, but it was also because of him claiming his authority as we will actually see in the next passage. But also, I just want to point out that Jesus did not break the law. He himself said in Matthew 5, 17-20, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. When God established the Ten Commandments, he did not condemn doing good during the Sabbath. And we see this in Mark 4, 3, when Jesus says, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save a life or to kill? But they were silent. We actually see Jesus constantly doing healing during the Sabbath and ignoring the Jewish oral law and actually revealing their sin, which is clear hypocrisy, by confronting them. The anger and hatred of the religious leaders is difficult to explain apart from seeing that it had such a spiritual root. They disliked Jesus, and therefore they also disliked God the Father. That's why they made an idol of this legalistic God. Verse 17 then says, But Jesus answered them, My Father is working until now, and I am working. Jesus did not try to explain that he did not actually work on the Sabbath. Instead, he boldly explained to the religious leaders that his father worked on the Sabbath. Therefore, Jesus' son also worked on the Sabbath. But we know what he meant because we see the verse in Mark 4, 3. Before we get into the next passage, I just want to give context to what we will see. First, we will see Jesus' confrontation of the Jews' hypocrisy, which we just talked about. It roots in declaring who he is and what he came to do, not just the confrontation, but along with that, yes, the confrontation. John MacArthur structures perfectly, I believe, what Christ will be saying into five segments. Number one, Jesus is equal with God in person. Number two, Jesus is equal with God in his works. Number three, Jesus is equal with God in his sovereignty and power. Number four, Jesus is equal with God in his judgment. Number five, Jesus is equal with God in his honor. In the movie, American Gospel, a person said, and I can't quote the person perfectly, and I can't remember who the person was, but it's always been in the back of my head. Either Jesus was a narcissist or he was who he said he was. Yet I cannot see how voluntarily willing to sacrifice your life for saving sinners is narcissism. Jesus is God. And we will see this in the next verses that the Jews understood what Christ's implication was, what he was saying, and yet they wanted to kill him for saying that. This section is titled, Jesus is Equal with God. Verse 18 says, This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because 
not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. The authority of the Son. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here where the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. In the last verse of this passage, we see Jesus saying that all men, saved and unsaved, will literally resurrect. There will be a physical resurrection from the dead. We see the power that God has over life, death, and resurrection. Therefore, that is the same authority and power that Jesus has over life, death, and resurrection as he is stating right here. Is that not the basis of the message of the gospel? God created the world, perfect and good, created man to commune with him in perfect unblemished fellowship. Yet we sinned, which distorted everything, and the wages of sin is physical death and judgment. We deserve God's justice, and yet he and his patience, forbearance, and kindness incarnated himself to take the punishment as the ultimate sacrifice to bear the sin of the world and pay the debt to satisfy God's wrath. He died and paid the debt in full. Our debt, he paid that in full. Because he is over death and because his sacrifice was more than enough and because he is God, he resurrected from physical death. In this, he legally declares those who repent and believe in him righteous because of his righteousness, not our own. It's like a judgment in a court law. Though you have committed continuous and terrible crimes, someone paid them for you and you are freed. You're not condemned anymore. Yet the message is not just you escaped hell. Hell isn't terrible because it's full of fire. It's terrible because it is not in fellowship with the holy God. It is God's wrath for the unrepented, prideful sinner, you see. The joy of heaven isn't escape from hell, it's God himself. Heaven wouldn't be heaven if it weren't for the presence of God. The joy on earth is God himself. He is the all-satisfying. He's the beginning and the end, the savior and the prize. How absolutely indescribably amazing is God? 
please, I ask you and I beg with you, repent and believe in the gospel. God is so gracious. And if you are listening to this, it is for a reason. God loves you so much to redeem you through what he has done on that cross. That seems foolish to the world, and yet it's truth and it's the wisdom and the power of God. I love you so much that I share this offensive news with you so that you might be saved, so that you might surrender your heart and receive the amazing news of the gospel. Leave behind the life of carnality, temporal pleasure and continuous immaturity and sin. You will not be perfect. I know I'm not and I will never be, but you will be redeemed and sanctified in a personal relationship with the living holy God, bearing fruit of his salvation. John MacArthur says only the saved will experience a spiritual, which is born again, as well as a physical resurrection until eternal life in the presence of God. Yet the unsaved will be resurrected into judgment and eternal punishment through separation from God and death. I don't want your separation from God, so I preach to you this with love and yet with truth that is offensive. Revelation 26 says, Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. And so the last section is witness to Jesus, which is verse 30 that says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Again, John MacArthur summarizes precisely that Jesus claimed that the judgment he exercised was because of everything he did was dependent upon the Father's word and will. Jesus is God. Praise his name forever. You can find more information on our website, www.deepbiblestudies.com, where you will also find the calendar to go along with the book that we will be studying. You can also find us on Instagram, at Deep Bible Studies, and Facebook, where you can know every single time we post a new podcast. Also, we have an email, contact at deepbiblestudies.com, where you can ask us any questions and we will be sure to get back to you. I hope you have a wonderful day and see you next time.